Hey everybody, welcome to the Lake Mount Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast designed to equip you and to help you take your leadership to the next level. Uh, whether you serve on teams or lead teams at our church at Lake Mount Worship Center, um, this is going to be super beneficial for you to hear our pastor and some of uh, what he's got to say, uh, kind of behind the scenes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it. Get ready. Here's my conversation with Pastor Matt Tapley. Pastor Matt, it's so cool that we get to sit down and talk like this. I know we've talked about doing a podcast for a long time, but um, you got to start somewhere, right? Right. So here we are. Um, we're here in Pastor Matt's office. I'm Ryan. I'm the youth pastor here at Lake Mount Worship Center. And Pastor Matt, sitting across from me, is the lead pastor here. And um, yeah, we get to talk all the time, Pastor Matt. And it's super beneficial for me, and I know everyone on staff here, but everywhere I go, I tell people, I wish you could just talk to my lead pastor. <laughs> I feel I feel like he'd explain it better, or I feel like he'd have better insight. Um, so here we are. I mean, we don't know who's <laughs> listening, but um, let's just pretend for a minute we're in a room full of young pastors like myself, and even, even younger with Gen Z now on the scene. Right. Why don't you just tell everyone your your journey into where you are now as lead pastor? Cool. Um, yeah, well, I, uh, I grew up in a pastor's home, actually. And uh, so, you know, kind of grew up preaching to my teddy bears. And, um, you know, three of them got saved. So I was pretty oh, effective right out the gate. Great stats. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I grew up around ministry. Um, but uh, I, I, I think I always had a sense of the call and the hand of God on my life. Uh, but it wasn't something that I just... Uh, Kind of walked into blindly. I, I experienced huh. the call of God uh, when I was 18. I was actually going to go down a path of of music. Uh, you know, wanted to do, um, you know, as a as a you know strong faith, I wanted to do something with with my music, um, and was set up to go to a school down in the states. And uh, I actually really felt the Lord one Sunday morning after a. Uh, my dad was preaching. I don't know what he was preaching on, but I, I really heard the Lord speak into my spirit. And what I mean by that is like, like a strong, you know, registers like a thought, but it's not your own. It wasn't right. that I heard the audible voice of God, but I just this deep impression, like an internal voice, just I felt the Lord just say to me, huh. if you can appreciate with that caveat that I'm giving, I felt like the Lord just said to me. Preach the word, live straight up and down before me, and the word will come straight up and down out of you. Wow. And uh, and so I, I, like everything just shifted. I just, I felt this call to preach and live with integrity. It was like the, this twofold call. So, so for me, the call of God was not, you know, play your cards right, and then you'll be the lead pastor at Lake Mount. Or right. It wasn't like you wanted to even be just like your dad. It's like you felt something personal. Yeah, I, I felt, yeah, I felt the, the nudge of the Spirit. Uh, into uh, a ministry, uh, you know, the ministry that is centered around the word uh, and integrity, character oriented, and uh, and so then just you know followed followed that, and I, I think that's the way of God is He He gives us a nudge, He gives us He doesn't tell us everything at the beginning because we we'd screw it up if we did right, right totally we we you know you'd move to Grimsby when you're 18 and try to make something happen right you know yeah. so. I think it's just, you know, he just tells us enough to get us moving. Uh -huh. And uh, so responded to that and, uh, you know, um, was serving actively and, and continued to do that in the church. Went to Bible college and, uh, you know, a few different uh, ministry opportunities. 
and you know that's a longer longer story but over the course of that uh you know the lord just continually um i would say chiseling down to the bedrock in in what's become just bedrock conviction for me is just right. real passion for the local church yeah um you know it's what jesus is building so it's where i want to give my life and and uh, and so yeah found found my way uh, here i've uh, been here in grimsby for well since uh, January 2003. So, oh my gosh! So yeah, 15 years as lead pastor, or uh, let's see, no, like uh, like 11 and a bit. I was here for five years uh, in an associate role, and then oh cool, um, and then yeah, in the lead role for like 11. So that's so cool. Did you ever think you would, when you started ministry, was the goal to be a lead pastor, or did you just think you'd do whatever God wanted you? Yeah, the the goal was never. I, I actually never set a goal of a position. So no, no, like, you know, we all visualize like that ladder. Like I know coming out of Bible college, you hear a lot of talk, like maybe one day if you're a associate pastor in a big church, you'll lead a small church. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. You well, never thought that. I feel like, I feel like when I was coming up, I feel like that ladder was almost, it might as well have been on a graph at a wall at a district conference or something like that. It just felt very so overt. Over. It was out there. You know, lead a youth ministry really well and then take a sidestep, you know, into being an assistant and then sure. try to be a lead pastor as quick as you can. Doesn't matter where, doesn't matter, you know. And and so, you know, just guys kind of stepping on people like they were rungs, you know. Yeah. I'm going to go put in some time in some church up north, but get back to where I, I want to be. And I mean, some people have a passion to be up north. So, let them be there. Totally. You know what I mean? But right. I, I, just, yeah. I just, I just think, I think that rung, that ladder system was just so overt to me. I never, I never resonated. It's with funny, it. funny that we're actually verbalizing it because I think so many people think about it. And even as you're saying, yeah. I'm like, man, I definitely know people. And I'm just thinking, I hope I never said anything that would make me appear that way. Right. But it's definitely real. It's definitely out there. But you're saying you're just happy to be a I youth was, pastor forever. Yeah, I was, I was happy in youth ministry. Then. I became a little dissatisfied in youth ministry, not with youth, but a burden began to shift in me. Um, I was probably about four years into youth ministry, and I realized, so really like a full cycle of students, right? right. Four years where it was like, we're, we're just launching these kids off to the gallows. Like, they, you know, they come to youth ministry, have some great experiences, you sure. know, call on God, go to camp, you know, capture the flag, whatever. But then you send me to university and cross your fingers. Right. And so I got a real burden for young adults. Right. And uh, so when I actually when I first came to Lake Mountain, my role was uh, I think we called it emerging generations pastor at first. Cool. So were you over the youth and young? I was adults? over youth. I was actually over the youth and kids ministry. Oh, cool. Uh, in terms of like th those were direct reports, but I was I was launching back in the day. There was a network across Canada called Tehila. It was kind of a revival, young adults movement. And uh, so I actually, I launched one. I was on staff at a church in Toronto. I started one there. Cool. And then when I came here, I started one here called Tehillah Niagara. And, uh, and then oversaw the youth ministry. So I've always had that passion for the emerging right. generation. But I've also, um, I've always had a passion, even when I was a youth pastor, I cared about the whole thing. Yeah. You know, I was on staff at a church in Welland with a great pastor, Peter Cute. 
you know, brought me into staff, into board meetings. I was sitting in board meetings and informing decisions. It was growing my leadership to be exposed, but I always had that heart. Right. You know, I was never the guy just kind of, I do youth, don't ask me to do right. anything. It was like it was like a local church conviction, not yeah. just a youth, not just a young adult. Yeah, care about the whole thing and cool. and developing an ethos of preaching to the whole thing, not just the junior highs, because, you know, you, you're flexing different muscles when right. you're communicating at different cores of of the house, but just a passion for the whole thing. So I was, I mean, I loved my role yeah. uh, as as associate, but then when uh, when the, well, it was a senior pastoral team that we had when I first came to Lake Mount. So I was, a, there was four on the senior pastoral team. You were like, was that mean there was like four senior pastors? Well, that's essentially the confusion of what it was. It was a, it was an experiment and it sounds good on paper, um, but it was, you, you can't lead by committee. And oh, okay. uh, you know, my, my good friend was the senior pastoral team leader, Mark Griffin. And I remember him saying to me one day, he's like, man, I don't feel like the leader, I feel like a tiebreaker. And it stuck with me, I'm like, that would, that would suck. Like, that, like right. that would be a, a really brutal spot to feel like, you know, it, it sounds good, like we're a team, yeah. but um, man, dude, that's a whole other talk sure, of sure. just things that God kind of really stirred in me as Mark was feeling transitional and then, uh, you know, the, the, the path was opening up yeah. for, a leadership transition here and I, and I was approached to um, you know to step into the lead role but I you know it's part of what really shaped the conviction is you know leadership is there's a there is a need for that delegated clear uh, authority and responsibility from God to the local church to make it clear okay okay so so you just said it again and um, I said it a minute ago because it's something I hear you talk a lot about you'll say the phrase the local church right so we all know about the church um, you know sometimes we look at each other we say ah oh, man like in the early 2000s we're the church like I heard that <laughs> I heard that at the time growing up it sounds so sounds so silly maybe for a second I want to get to something you had said in staff meeting today sure um, in a moment but before we get there why don't you kind of just describe what you mean um, when you say the local church yeah. is that different than just saying the church well it, it, I go to church yeah I mean I think it's the difference uh, maybe this is grass but I, like I think it's the difference between you saying you love girls yeah and you saying you love a girl yeah totally I think it's the, you know like you you love Jenna right you know Jenna is your girl and and I I think I think while maybe that's not the purest example I think the fact is I've been exposed to a lot uh, you know been in ministry for 25 years now uh, in a full-time vocational capacity um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of parachurch ministries a lot of parachurch um, mission or internship or discipleship type of things right why type stuff. yeah 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 the people can go in and and have still a few great months. still love yeah, yeah, we love you uh, still have have their experience uh, you know, but it's not connected to a church, and I, so I think what happens is people get a passion for the church, but not a church. Right. So it's and a singular focus. It's a singular focus, and I, I think the problem when you don't, when you only have a passion for the church, while that sounds good, the problem is is that it's too generic, and it ends up actually being very focused on you. Because, so let's say I, I want to, I want to go on a three month mission experience. And discover who I am and so I go on this three-month mission experience I get to share my testimony it turns out I'm really good at prayer I'm really good at leading worship and um, 
young people really like me. <laughs> so who wants me? Yeah, so who wants me? I come back and I'm like, I'm your number one draft pick. Right. If you need a youth pastor, whoever you are, call me. Or even worse, this is what you guys are doing wrong. I've right. seen it done right somewhere else. Yeah, and if you could if you could just see the value of who I am, like my so-and-so leader from a parachurch thing saw right. in me, you could actually have this amazing resource. You're blessed to have me. And it's it's an inadvertent overflow of that type of self-discovery curated as um, as ministry development but real ministry development as I see it biblically which I think should be the frame for all of us <laughs> like I think faithfully faithfulness is the key that unlocks every door in the kingdom and in faithfulness do you mean longevity do you mean service I think I think by faithfulness what I mean is blooming where you're planted unless you're in some radically unhealthy cult-like circumstance because I mean that exists which we've all been there sure yeah <laughs> but I mean if that's the case like get out I've got a word get out right. but other than that I think like I look at I look at David not to get preachy but I mean I look at David he's a shepherd uh, the prophet comes to his dad's house says I'm, I'm looking for the next king he doesn't even include David in the email. He just he he's, gets all the other brothers to come. They all line up, right? right? They're all like, pick me, pick me, pick me. And the prophet's like, I'm going to pick this guy. And God's like, no, you're not. And so he asks a totally bizarre question, which is, are you sure these are all your sons? Yeah. Oh, well, there's, there's still David, but I'm not waiting until he, I'm not going to sit down until he gets here. David comes in. The Lord says, rise and anoint him. He's the one in front of his entire family. Cut to the next scene. Where do we see David? He's shepherding. Right, back in the field. He's, he's back in the field. He's been anointed in front of his brothers to be king. Right. But he doesn't say, hey, I'm the king. He doesn't presume. Doesn't uproot himself. Doesn't uproot himself. Doesn't say, well, I'm moving, you know, I'm going to go move to the palace. He just keeps serving. Right. And, you know, give it a few weeks. There's the battle. His brothers are out on the front lines. You know, there's the battle with Goliath. And his dad says, take some cheese and bread to your brothers. Yeah. And come back and tell me how they're doing. Right. Who would have thought that doing an Uber delivery was going to be where his destiny was. Right. But just by being faithful to his dad in his house. Under his dad's covering. Yeah, under his dad's covering with the anointing of God that God didn't forget about and they all knew about and dishonored by just sticking him back in a field. Cool. He, he yeah. takes a wow. sandwich and what happens next? He's taken Goliath down and ch chops his head off. His destiny is unlocked. How? Faithfulness. And I think local church for me, when I use that phrase, it's be passionate about where you are Find out where you can serve and and make a difference with the gifts that you have, but where the need is first. I think where you see the need, fill it. Right. And and God will grow your gifts and God will open doors. Don't just do what you're good at. Don't just do what you're good at. I mean if if you're if you're assessing your ability in ministry where you're anointed, you're I can tell you right now your report card <laughs> is skewed. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because of course you got straight A's, you got God's advantage on it. But but what what you need to yeah. to grow in, um, you know, again, it's a passion for the whole thing. You need to not just surround yourself with a bunch of young people who like you uh -huh. and think that you're cool. Yeah. You also need to hang out with that middle aged person who does not understand your jeans and your haircut uh -huh. and yeah. thinks that you're trying to prove something because that middle aged person's probably right. Like you 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 probably are trying to be cooler than you realize. And there's some authenticity that you can get from someone who's been married for 50 years. You can learn some stuff and journeying all together. So local church is just different than the church. Yeah. And it's, it's, there's some specificity. Right. So if you, to kind of pull on 
a few things that you said. If you make the church, you know, parachurch, where you go, like, so so let's take the idea of YWAM. Not cherry picking. I do love those. Some, some sure. of my closest friends went to YWAM. Sure. Let's say you go to a specialized YWAM where all of a sudden everybody has the same likes. They have the same talents and they have the same um, gear. Like maybe they're all just geared towards evangelism. If you get in that section of people, they're all going to tell you how good you are at that one gift or you're going to measure yourself by their gifting, which happens to be the same as yours. Right. If you don't... Leave. And then you'll feel underappreciated. When you come back to a right. local church setting, you don't have the shared experience. You don't have the shared appreciation. Right. You don't have a mutual affirmation society. You come back and someone's just like, I just need someone to move the chairs into the lobby. But you don't get it. I am an evangelist. Uh, yeah, you don't know. I just witnessed to 15,000 Filipinos in a field somewhere. And, and for six months, that's right. all you did. Right. So you also don't have someone else to measure yourself up against. You don't have someone that's working in that prophetic realm, someone in that pastoral realm. Right. The teaching, you know, all the Ephesians 4, fivefold gifts. Right. So local church, in essence, is... It's blooming where you're planted. So yep. David stayed planted even when he was anointed. Didn't run to the king's office and take the keys. Right. But he also is in a place where, you know, it, it's it's broad. It's wide. There's so many different types of people that don't all look like you and don't which, all act like you. Which is essential on a number of levels. The fact is, I haven't, like, prophetic people can thrive with one another in terms of an escalation of giftedness. But where they really become fruitful Prophetic people need to be around apostolic people and pastoral people. Huh, that's good. That's a really good word. Like if you, if you have, if prophets all get together like a school of prophets, that's cool for like a retreat. That's cool for like a strengthening the operation of the gift. But the pastor is going to say, hey, you know what? You could filter that in such a way that you don't break someone's heart with your accurate word. Yeah. And the apostle could be saying, you know, culturally, you're 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 affecting where we're going by steering. You know, try to try to come in submission in this direction. The teacher's going to try to like. It's best to have those well-rounded yeah. gifts around you. All evangelistic. Where's the depth of teaching on a Sunday? Right. All teaching, you shrink because you don't have the doors open to everyone else. So you you see that in in local churches. If a church is being led by someone who's dominant in one gift, the church is going to look that way. Huh. So. You know, that's a whole other... You know, I, yeah, I didn't mean, the I didn't mean to take you, take you down that. Although the fivefold is good. It's super important. So important. Uh, so let's just, let's just pivot from here for one second. And let's just kind of finish with this. This is what you said in staff meeting today. And it, it, it struck me. And I wanted you to kind of unpack it for, for everyone who's listening. You had said this. Um, and if I quoted it wrong, just let me know. There's a difference between perseverance outside of feeling and presumption outside of presence. So at Lake Mount, our mission statement, we, we're all about, and everyone quotes this, you hear it all the time in different departments, we're about connecting people to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. Right. So youth ministry is connecting students. Kids right. ministry is connecting kids. It's all about the presence. You say there's a difference between perseverance outside of feeling and presumption outside of presence. Right. Maybe you could just unpack that for a few minutes. So what that has, what I was talking about was, um, you know, when you are when you're moving forward with an area of passion, ministry, vision, um, you know, something that God's placed on your heart and your life. Um, sometimes, just <clears throat> the the journey of life is such that that sometimes with a passion for the presence of God, uh, 
sometimes you can you can just go through seasons where you're not necessarily you know quote unquote feeling it sure and that's just a part of the human experience yeah i hear uh, it a lot yeah and I, and and i i think i think the sometimes particularly in the charismatic church presence oriented church we can call people into experience because that's often what's maybe missing on the opposite end of the scale in the church spectrum. It can be just like, no, you just nose to the grindstone, just believe the word. You don't have to mm -hmm. experiencing it, you know, experience it. You know, uh, healing happened in the Bible. That's good yeah. enough for me. I'm not looking for it today, right. you know. But if we get too heavy on experience, what can happen is if I'm not feeling, quote unquote, the presence of God, feeling the goosebumps, glory, whatever, um, then maybe I'm, um, maybe I'm missing out. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, uh, you know, there's something wrong or whatever. And so, um, there is a skill of learning how to persevere, um, beyond your feelings, persevere, uh, through, you know, and David did this, like, you know, David was like talking to his soul, his mind, will, and emotions. Uh -huh. Why so downcast? You know, why am I feeling depressed? Yeah. God's still good. I'm going to bless God anyways, I, yeah. even though I'm not feeling it, I'm going to take charge of my feelings and persevere. I was referencing uh, in our staff meeting today about Mother Teresa. You know, a lot of people were shocked when they read her journal after she passed away. Here's this lady who just gave herself into the gutters of Calcutta. You know, just gave her life on behalf of like people that had been had been discarded by parents and by you know just just the absolute uh, poverty stricken. You know, the worst poverty really anywhere you find in the world. She just gave herself to that and was such a hero of the faith. You read her journal, and there's these entries like, you know, God, I don't even know if you're there. Like, wow, you know, I don't even like, like, I don't know, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know, like, if you're listening or if you're real or like, I mean, just these wow. like really gut wrenching stuff where you're like, man, she was like, maybe, maybe she's depressed, maybe she's just going through this crisis of faith, dark yeah. night of the soul, Luther called it. Like, I mean, there's. There's this darkness, and yet she persevered beyond her feelings. Okay. So what I was talking about today is there's a difference between persevering beyond your feelings and presumption outside of presence. The, the, the difference is this. When I persevere outside of my feelings, it's I'm putting one foot after the other in the right direction. So like Mother Teresa, I'm still going to love the poor. I'm still still gonna go after the pure and undefiled religion that right. God's looking not for. Feeling. Even though I'm not feeling it, maybe I'm not feeling Him. Maybe I'm not feeling stirred up and passionate about it today. But I must, and I'm putting one foot in front of the other. I'm doing the right thing, because even though I can't see or feel God right now, I know it's right. Mm -hmm. That's actually, I think, a healthy discipline is to persevere beyond our feelings. Presumption outside of presence is when we we're not necessarily anchored to what we could you know kind of chapter and verse say this this is this is the ministry of jesus but we're kind of we're stepping beyond that we're you know presumption beyond presence is kind of like you know the context was i was looking at um you know in first chronicles 21 where david yeah. numbered his fighting men and that context is why that was such an offense to God. And, the, you know, the people suffered a plague. You know, 70,000 people were struck down because of David's uh, presumption there. Yeah, kind of pride in his own army. Pride in his own army. The, 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 sin of it was, the sin of it was this. 
is when you number your fighting men, it's like, what can I do with or without God? What, can I, what am I good at, whether or not God helps me? And so the idea is, like, I could, I could, I got 1.1 million in my army. Right now, at that point, David was asking God all the time, you know, Lord, should I pursue this army? Should I overtake them? Should, should I fight back? And he would get a word from God. He'd bring the prophetic people around him and he'd get a word from God. You number the fighting men. It's like you could look at a, at a little nation that's kind of defenseless. It's got nice beaches and think, we could take that. And why not? And why not? Because we can. And you start moving away from fighting the Lord's battles. And you start moving into, what do I want? What am I good at? What do I prefer? Where do I find success? In ministry, there's all kinds of things that we can measure as success. That sounds a lot like what businesses measure as success. How much money's coming in? Right. How many people do you have? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, how... What's our social media engagement? Yeah, yeah. What, what, what are these things that are telling us we're doing a good job? Yeah. But the problem with that is, is I, if, I, if I am presuming outside of presence, if I'm, if I'm moving into metrics that don't matter to God, and the, the fact is, I know healthy things grow, and it's not wrong to right. have an attendance, and it's not obviously not wrong to have a good offering and to you know see see ministry growing. But if we're only measuring by those business centric metrics, right. what happens is I could actually just start to go after what I'm good at, and not have a clear conviction in my heart that this is what God has told me to do. Wow. The feedback that I'm hearing is when I teach on such and such, people stop tithe coming. numbers are better. But tithe, yeah, when I speak on that, ties go up. More yeah. people come. Right. Uh, if I speak this long or if we sing this song or if we... And you move from serving people to pleasing people. Uh-huh. And you, you move into the presumption that God's in it because it's, because it's working. Because it's happening, just because we're just getting kingdom. So you'd said, just because you're getting kingdom results, you said this in the staff meeting, doesn't mean that it's good. Yeah, and that's a bit of a mind bender for people. Right. But I'm that, still chewing on that. Well, one. because the, the, that context is, I think every every young leader, every Christian leader, every kingdom leader needs to keep these verses close to your heart. Is when Jesus says, not everyone who's who you know comes into eternity and says to me, Lord, Lord. Will enter the kingdom of heaven, Lord, Lord, didn't we? And then the list is incredibly kingdom oriented. Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? Yeah. Didn't we heal the sick? Like it's not even just like evangelical. It's like super charismatic Holy Spirit ministry stuff. And the response of Jesus is, "Depart from me, I never knew you." Well, what's yeah. the difference between knowing and operating? Right? It's like it's the intimacy. It's the friendship. It's the presence of God. So it, it's the difference between, you know, I, I mean, if I, I took you out for lunch and said it's on me, you know, that's relationship and my investment in you. If you watched me punch in my pin code when I took you out for lunch and you found my debit card. Which I've never done. Yeah, okay, <laughs> good. I wanted to use this podcast as an opportunity to call you out. But if you watch me punch in my pin card yeah. and I left my bank card behind somewhere. You could take my bank card. Uh-huh. You could use my funds. You would know how to get through my stuff. You paid for and it. And I paid for it. You got the result. But I could say, depart from me. You, know, I never knew you. 
if you follow what I'm totally. getting at. Totally. There's the whole no relationship. I, the hi, whole idea is you actually used my stuff, yeah. but you didn't know me. You, yeah. you, it wasn't relational. It wasn't with me. Right. I just beat the system. You somehow found a technique. And the fact is, there's nothing wrong with the anointing. The anointing always works. And, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you drop the Word of God into what you're doing, you could release faith. You could cast out demons. You could heal sick people. The, the, the point is, I don't want to presume without presence. So where I was going in our teaching today that you asked me to kind of recap here yeah. was just in those seasons where maybe it's a little dry or, or you're not, quote, unquote, feeling it. Anchor yourself to, to the presence of the Lord. And if you're just giving yourself to busy ministry activity that doesn't have presence in it, change that. Wow, that's so good. And, and whether you feel that or not, yeah. I know that Jesus said, pure and undefiled religion is looking after the widow and the orphan yeah. and keeping myself from being polluted by the world. I know that there is a faithfulness in preaching the, the word of God, not just self-help and not just, you know, gathering a big crowd, making them laugh and an emotional story. Like preach the word. Don't just have something you want to talk about and find a scripture to back it up. Preach the word yeah. and, and, and be in that place of faithfulness. Whether or not you feel it, you can persevere without the feelings. Just don't presume without his presence. Man, that's so good. Metrics that don't matter to God. I think I think we just found the, the name for your book. You gotta, right. you gotta write a book on this, obviously. Man, that's so powerful. Um, yeah, man, my my mind's blown. So so much gold in that. If we only geared everything we did towards pleasing God, the obvious part, pleasing God before man, right. but seeking the presence and not just the results. Right. I know, like, I'm speaking for myself when I say I've seen kingdom results and just check the box, like, must be good. But there's so much more to that. There's so much more relationship, intimacy. Man, this is so good. I know I told you we'd sit down for five minutes, but <laughs> 29 minutes and 30 seconds and counting. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about this again. This is just part one of a longer conversation. But so cool. thanks, thanks, Pastor Matt, for your wisdom and for your love for young leaders. I know this is going to help somebody. So. Yeah, you're awesome. You're awesome. No, you're awesome. <laughs> you are. Hey, everybody. Thanks for stopping by. We hope you enjoyed uh, part one of this conversation. Stay tuned next week for more conversation with our lead pastor, Pastor Matt Tapley. Hope you have an amazing week.